0: mythologically inspired pattern tracking geniuses out there cultural activists planetary devotees of the plants and the minerals and the elements welcome back to our podcast the planets are my gods we are your hosts today mariah karina and rk moon and today we're going to be talking about the war on mars
1: So I've had the great gift of being able to hear some of the dots that you're connecting around Venus and Mars, and I am so excited to share that with our listeners. And how about we start with just getting into why focus on Venus and Mars?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like the reason that I started focusing on Venus was because I was trying to figure out like what like, what are we doing wrong here this is my Virgo way of trying to find like, where's the glitch in the software program? Where's, is, where's is the fallacy of this, of this thing that we call human nature or being raised in Christianity with the, the filter of like sinful nature. And I started to think about it. And when I, with all of my work on not only my, you know, really excavating my deep, like gatekeepers and pain bodies the parts of me that feel really wounded or the parts of me that are you know projection projecting and and creating these sabotaging patterns it it feels like not only my patterns but also all of my clients and all of my friends seem to really go down to this part of like worthiness you know which is a direct lesson with Venus right like are we really worthy like what is our relationship to to our sense of self-worth and how does that reflect our values and then I started thinking about you know how have we attacked Venus like it felt like everything about the Garden of Eden and the relationship on the body the relationship on the earth is all kind of going back to everything that you know um, represents Venus and represents Taurus specifically and So I started looking at that deeper. And then I realized that um, when Mars was going through uh, Mars in retrograde in Aries, I started to have like a really personal experience on my connection to my own masculine, my connection to my own sense of fire and the way that um, my relationship to my own desires and my own um, instincts and drive have been shamed or repressed in this way. And then I felt like I had to like fight for it to come out in these, um, over the course of my life, really, I had a fight to like free them from being, um, yeah, like imprisoned or even like hijacked and like me giving all my energy into these like things that I felt like were actually not what I was in alliance with. Right. And then I realized that, that Mars is the opposite of Venus and just their intimate relation of, 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 not just like, it's the masculine and she's the feminine in this, um, separate, you know, binary way, but actually how like the inner masculine and feminine of Mars and the inner masculine and feminine of Venus are the polar opposites of each other. And so my, connection to the archetypes of the zodiac and how, you know, you can't separate Aries and Libra and you can't separate, you know, Taurus and Scorpio that it's like, you can't actually separate Mars and Venus. And so if there was a war on Venus, then there's been a war on Mars. And they got me to really look at what is that cultural war been like? And then how does it look in my own life? And how has it looked? and other people. And what I came to is that most of the major world religions have had inside of the foundation of their theology or their philosophy has been in a way trying to transcend the ego and the body, transcend the earth, you know, and deep languages of shame around like what our ego desires and what our instinctual body is leading us towards and that led me to to go on a journey to discover like not only the mythology of it but also what what would that be like if we were to really support these ways in which those parts of us being represented by Mars and Venus were truly liberated and in relationship to our spirit and our soul. And I feel like that's like a huge part of what I feel like evolutionary astrology really represents is that desire for like the evolution of our soul to honor our journey here on, you know, on earth in this
1: human experience. Yes. Yes. A million times. Yes. The way that I see it too, is also astronomically in the sky. You have the sun, you know, the source of this, it's our star. It's our home star. You have Mercury, which is the messenger between the gods and the archetypes, right? Between the gods and the humans. And then you have the earth that's being hugged on either side by Venus and by Mars. And so much of the consciousness that we are entrained into is one of duality and we have projected this onto venus and mars onto venus's desire mars is the will venus is the feminine mars is the masculine venus unifies mars separates right love and, and war <laughs> yes love and war and In the same way that paradox is truth and that all the things that we see as dualisms are part of the same tapestry, it's like we are all these things. Like you're saying Venus is also separation, is also war. Mars is also unification, is also love. And we in Earth are held in this dance between the two. And because they're physically the closest to the earth it feels to me like they're also the closest to the core physics of consciousness the dance of venus and mars is the foundational dance of being human
0: absolutely the foundational dance of being human and the whole dance of creation inside of the inside of this this cosmic drama of like spirit meets flesh and duality that you're saying is like the sun and the moon and Mars and Venus hugging earth and that Mercury being the messenger, which represents, you know, what I think the glitch in the software comes through is like, if, you know, in my, this is my kind of soapbox or worldview is that they've co-opted these very large, intense planetary energies that are these huge forces that make us who we are within this galaxy, within our earthly experience. And they've made it to where that Mercury, that messenger, that mind perception of reality, that consciousness is then reading the information, in my opinion, wrong and translating it, integrating it in this way that then Further[s] their agenda. But so let's get into
1: it. Let's get into it because because Mars and Venus are so close to Earth, they're often considered personal planets, right? These are personal, individualized energies. But part of the connection that you're making is the way in which these personal, individual energies are then co-opted or siphoned or sucked up into larger organizations like the state or religion. But that also states and religions are themselves their own egoic entities right and so they themselves are also using the archetypal forces of venus and mars and you were drawing this connection to the deep roots of christianity so how has this war of venus and mars played in terms of the history of christianity
0: right and i love the way that you were saying that too because i was getting this vision of like when you were saying the the personal planets representing these very personal instinctual you know conscious parts of our nature um and yet these outer planets you know which would be represented by you know the Sagittarian the Capricornian the Aquarian Piscean structures I mean Pisces is like the whole overarching all, but let's just but say
1: especially that- Jupiter and Saturn have been thought of as like, oh, those are the ones that are more collective, that are sociocultural.
0: Right. And Sagittarius. Capricorn and Aquarius are representing the social structures you know Sagittarius we find what we find as truths and our philosophy of religion and then Capricorn we build the structures and then Aquarius we see how it all integrates and then we're also deconstructing it from within um, so I think that you know in that way the Outer structures being, you know, the government, the external authority figures of our, our governmental structures, our religious structures have um, also co-opted those energies, right? Or are, let's just say, the representation of how humans are expressing Jupiter-Saturn, um, for instance, right? And so the way that Christianity specifically has done it, for one, so much of Christianity is astrological events it's re, you know stolen pagan egyptian mythologies and ancient you know hebrew and actual astrological events retold in a way that um yeah furthers their agenda and so how i started zoning in on mars and venus is that lucifer represents is represented by Venus, and so Lucifer is the fallen angel that was depicted to create this huge spiritual warfare and fall from heaven, and and be the one that then transformed into a serpent and deceived Eve and created this whole um, sinful nature war on um, the light and the dark, and all of this separated us from God, and in that to me represents so much of what we consider Venus and Taurus, the garden of Eden, our relationship to our earth and our desires and our sexuality and all of that. And our relationship to food and and nature. Right. And so it's like essentially Genesis inside of the, the story of Eve and the fall of, of man in that, in that uh, sinful act of, of eating of the fruit is, um, is a depiction on like the fall of our relationship to a healthy experience of Taurus, a healthy experience of Venus. Right. And so Venus anciently was called Lucifer. So they didn't really get very creative with the way that they, um, they didn't even hide it, which is interesting. But, um, even a lot of the descriptions of what they, call lucifer in the bible are the the night and the morning star and the bringer of the light and so all of these the descriptions of lucifer were also exactly what we have for thousands of years predating christianity described venus as um, but with mars being the polar opposite and or the same being if you will of venus we have mars representing the cerebrum and Taurus which is the feminine part of Venus representing the cerebellum and so the cerebrum of Aries the masculine part of Mars is the is the higher part of the brain the the part of that, the part of the brain that essentially makes us human that is all of our reasoning and all of our um Yeah, our like processing of problem solving and pattern tracking. And yes,
1: and all the research shows that the prefrontal cortex and the development of the prefrontal cortex is where um, so much of what we call those like socially positive virtues develop.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's what's so fascinating about this is because in a way it's, it's obvious to me within the context of the patriarchy and Christianity that the war on Venus, you know, the, the war on the feminine, the war of the dark aspects of the feminine, um, the, the even represented in the cerebellum, which is like the reptilian part of the brain, um, that is our like animal or reptilian part that is always fighting for are we safe and these um, survival instincts that um, I feel like is projected so much of our lower qualities or our um, more shadowy parts of of humanity and yet the cerebrum that and that what you're just saying is that they they attribute that to our higher mind and the ways that give us give us empathy and this way that we're able to um, be different than the animal kingdom that, that is supposed to be in this more harmonious, um, and, and a sense, in a sense, what they deem that gives us sentience, you know, if you want to get down to it, I feel like that's what most of humanity has been, um, glorifying as what makes us like God, what makes us, um, yeah, sentient and, and in a sense, more worthy of, of freedom and life in general. And yet, that's represented by aries and therefore mars and in our patriarchal society i feel like the the ego the individuation sex money desire it's all been sex money power it's all been very glorified but when you look at the ancient religious cultures that's been the part that they are Needing to transcend, we need to transcend our egoic desires. We need to transcend sex. We need to transform, transcend the body and um, carry the, you know, pick up the cross and carry it, so that we don't we don't trust what our what our body wants. And um, and I think that it's it's really easy to think that that's um, a focus on the the Venus part or the part of our instinctual animal or reptilian part of our body, right? But actually, Mars being um, our yang, our fire, our desire, our will, our action um, really represents that that part of our ego that is there for self-actualization. And with these ways of shaming that the ego, if we just do what the ego or do what our instinctual body desires, then we're going to be these addicted raping pillaging warring selfish beings um I feel like that's creating this deep sense of mistrust in not only the parts of us that that is represented by Venus um but also that's represented by Mars and I think that's how when we when we set that deep sense of mistrust in there and when we realize that lucifer doesn't only represent venus but it represents mars also then i think that to me what i i gather is that the war is even though it's a little bit more covert in how because of our overglorification um on you know work and you know create these big egos and and like get shiny cars and and get this body and all of these things it's like there's a glorification on the physical parts of Mars and Venus. Um, but yet there's a spiritual fracture where they've also shamed it. And so I think that both sides of, like, say, if you want to take our cultural authorities and our foundations as being, say, like the church and the state. <laughs> Um, and the state kind of having an umbrella of like entertainment and media and all the corporations, right? I think that both sides of this, and we we could say that that's also on the same side of the coin, right? Because you know our separation of church and state, but if you look out at history, it's like the the people in power have always been the ones. Yeah, bullshit. Um, rolling. Whole fucking shit right controlling the corporations controlling the um yeah all the 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 governmental and judicial systems also um so so that makes it to where there is a hijacking of of our personal power and energy and all that we egoically have energy for what we would fight for what we would do like what we would work for which being our relationship to mars and then what we are do that for is what we value in venus you know and so if you can hijack these two polarities and then we make it a polarity in the in the binary of the actual humans and we make women represent this and men represent this and we make it illegal to be gay and and so then we hijack this way that they're even in relationship and in sex and in creating of relationship and families and we make that family system then feed directly back into the either religious system or the consumer or capitalist system then we have hijacked men and women and everywhere in between we have hijacked these major forces of our nature and like funneled them into the overarching systems of power that have been uh that are not supporting the earth or or the plants and the creatures and the humans. and
1: uh, Exactly. You know. To me, this is a war of energy, right? The energy is always primary, I, right? The energy is what then leads to anything material occurring. And if you just track it, it's like a war of energy. And two things, even as you're talking, you can already feel how this dichotomy, this duality starts melding into one, right? Normally Venus is associated with desire, but Mars is also, desire and being evolutionary right. astrologers that put so much emphasis on Pluto Pluto is the evolutionary desire of the soul that has enough force and power to even want to incarnate again and again right and Mars is an octave of Pluto right Mars is also desire you exactly. can just there were so many examples as you were talking where they start to become the same thing and one of the ways in which they've been able, To play out this war is by this fundamental confusion in our consciousness, is by the actual template of awareness and attention of duality itself. Because then we're living in this constant cognitive dissonance where we're trying to pull apart what is love, what is war, what is good, what is bad, when these things can't be pulled apart. They're part of the same ecosystems that are constantly undulating. Undulating and folding in on themselves, transforming into themselves. That's even what Ovid, the writer, said about gods, is that they're always changing, always changing into other things. And so because we're living in this entire entrainment of our conscious awareness that's attempting to pull us into dichotomy and dualism while living an experience that's very different. It's an absolute mindfuck. And what they've been able to do is say, your individual desires are bad, your individual body. I mean, that's one of the great debates also of historical religious and spiritual traditions throughout the world is, are our desires good or bad? Are our instincts good or bad? And there's even those two schools of Buddhism, which is like, no, desires can be fuel for a transcendent process. And another school of Buddhism, that's no desires are suffering. And of course it's all true. It's all true. And at any given point, at any given moment, desires can be used for things that are beneficial or not. And even what is beneficial or not is more complicated than we could ever comprehend or map out. And so we're just being put in all of these, I think, kind of really basic philosophical quagmires trying to answer is something good or bad when the actual frame, the filter with which we're trying to perceive phenomena is skewed to begin with. And religion especially, I think, has done this huge trick where they're like, your individual instincts are wrong and sinful, et cetera, et cetera. And yet, and therefore you have to give your authority, you have to give your energy over to this larger body that is supposed to be God, which I would be more down with, like a true devotion to God, but becomes the sociocultural establishment mm. of the church. And so in a way they've done it where it's like, don't give your life force to yourself. Don't be connected to your own desires, your own instincts, your own natural intuitions about where to separate and where to unify and harmonize, but instead follow us, listen to us.
0: Right. Masquerading. That's why I think it's such an interesting you know, trick, spell that they've created, the separation of church and state, this idea that, like, that this church represents the actual God when, in fact, it's representing this structure that is very much being controlled and funneled and used for power. And, you know, Venus, the high octave of Venus being Neptune and what you're saying about Pluto being the high octave of Mars, you know, that if our relationship to our desire and our ego is in connection and in devotion to that soul to that spirit connection the two farthest out planets are pluto and and neptune at least within our solar system and you know that's what the represented the five star it's like when the the star is upright the the spirit is over the four points are the elements you know the four points are the elements that are always trying to be um expressed within the human vessel within physical consciousness and so when we have you know our mars and venus are in devotion to that then i feel like we get this natural dance where we're able to go for our desires, trust our desires, and also simultaneously detach from them, be humbled and stripped from them, put in the alchemical cauldron that these physical experiences have, that we've come here for, you know, to help that, that process. And so when that process in itself has been hijacked and that there's been like this prison and these programs placed into where we're unable to actually go through the process in a way that I would consider healthy, um, then that actually changes, that actually changes everything about how we are dancing within all of creation, which is back to the Christianity war on energy that you're saying. I mean, the war on the serpent is the symbol of energy itself. Yeah. The Kundalini the sound waves, the kundalini, um, even light, Lucifer's bringer of the light, light is what is making up
1: our vibrational world, you know, so. And let's be very clear, because desires themselves are paradoxes. Pluto is the place of your greatest empowerment and your greatest disempowerment. Leo wants to be seen. It also wants to hide. We want to go out. We want to stay in every single desire that would emerge. And even this, we're just talking about the most conscious mind level of desire, let alone desire as its own sort of energetic organism functioning through all of Mm -hmm. life. Right. But any desire you have is also going to contain its opposite desires themselves are paradoxes. And, um, right. Leo wants to be seen. It also doesn't want to be seen. It has a process, around being seen that is multiple and simultaneous and paradoxical and I think here as much as we want to say yes there's a reason why the ego exists right it is like the soul has created this ego in terms of actualizing its own process I think there's also a tricky place in which some of those instincts or needs or fears of the ego have been able to be exploited by the other great system of our time of late capitalism right it's like all of that egoic desires for um to be attractive and sexually active to be to see itself to be an erotic feedback loop with itself and energetic you know fulfillment of itself there's also been a direct and specific entry point of all of the machinery of internationally capitalism that has entered at that point, that is also hijacking and siphoning energy. That's why I think looking at the energy is the key, because how do you feel after seven hours of scrolling social media? How do you feel after you buy something and the initial joy of it is worn off? We can see through our energetic lens, a completely different reality that's happening. And so- I just want to be very clear. It's like not like egoic desires are so skewed by all the inputs that we have bombarding us at every point. As opposed to, I think, the true Mars egoic desire is being in surrender. Being in surrender to the way that energy wants to move through us. Being in heightened, alert, listening for what gives us energy, what doesn't give us energy, how energy wants to move through us. It actually takes some of that Venus, the year's, the listening mm-hmm. to be in service to the Mars energy body as right. they do together.
0: And also the instinctual body of, you know, like to me, Aries is this place where it's, this is where the energy is. This is where the dopamine is. This is where the excitement is. Yep. This is where the connection is, you know, and, and if we have that that deep listening inside of our body, you know, inside of our actual instinctual relationship with our own energy physical system, then I feel like it is a direct feedback loop to inform us, you know, and that's why I think that our connection back to you know, bringing our cerebrum, bringing our way of being able to process the way that even like when I mentioned dopamine, it's like if we are hijacking our, our hormonal system and our neurological way of processing information, then we are mistaking our quick fixes of dopamine with these parts that our body and our soul would actually go towards that 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 are true and and self-generating and replenishing and and creates this tantric loop with ourselves and all of nature and everything that we are engaging with right and so to me in order to be able to actually because there's no I love how you and I are both always splitting things apart, of like there's always this gray, this this massive, massive arena of this gray zone, right? And I think that's where we kind of bring in the Mercury so much of like how do we process it? Because the process itself, and I I think of you when I when I think of this too, because your devotion to the process. And I feel like that's so sacred because, and that is to me the key, is there isn't this this like one filter or one way to like answer these, these really massive like layers of illusions and deceptions that have been placed upon, you know, our psyches, our, our mental constructs and our physical bodies. But it's actually finding a way to be in a healthy relationship with the process again, with the way that we would then like be in relationship to ego, desire, and then humbling, shredding, transforming, ego, desire, humbling, transforming, shedding, which is like a microcosm of, you know, physical form, longing to be back into spirit, dissolving into all that is, and then siphoning back into or regenerating itself back into another physical expression,
1: you know, of embodiment. Yeah. And when I had my first spiritual awakening, I was in college and, um, I suddenly started having like visions of this sort of like fractal model of the world. And one of the biggest visions I got was that one of the core problems that we're facing is that people don't know what they want. They don't know what they want. It is that severing from our own energy body, from our self-knowledge, from consciousness and attention being directed in service to these invisible realms. And then I think they get to say, your instincts are wrong. All you would do is like war and rape and pillage and destroy and therefore listen to us. But then if we see the way that these structures and systems of power are using human energy, it's one to consume, but the other is to war. I saw this TikTok. It was crazy. It was just like someone in the Marines. um, This girl just went around with her phone to all of the different Marines, both men and women, and being like, why'd you join the Marines? Why'd you join the Marines? And it was three minutes of, first of all, these babies, like if you haven't seen an 18 year old recently, and they're really soft skin and they're starlit eyes. And it's just these babies like these 18 year old kids for three minutes there must have been 20 or 30 of them saying like why did you join the marines and the number one answer more than 50 percent was i was bored these are children who have no idea who they are or what they want who are looking around in the systems we created seeing no nothing enticing enough for them to get interested in to use the gift of their human incarnation to and so they just give it they give their entire life to whatever the army says it's going to do. Of course, the second most answer was for the money, and
0: and for the security. I think a lot of the. I mean, and I love that you bring up the military because it's you know young eighteen year old boys, such a perfect representation of that. And women, Martian, right? Of that Martian. Air, um, energy that's ready to be plugged into something and because they don't have a connection to their own like you're saying their own needs and desires and and you know this this vision like there's such a huge part I don't think people speak about that enough when when speaking about Aries but it's there's this vision of like going and doing something different and getting to the like trailblaze you know and I think the other piece is that the security, you know, so wanting to plug their energy into something in order to this promise of then I will have my college paid for, I won't be in debt, and then I will have immediately a job and and a career path. This promise of the Saturnian external authority structure
1: that will give you security
0: and purpose.
1: The third most popular answer after I was bored and for the money was because I'm a fucking idiot.
0: Right, which then instead of looking at the external authority and the manipulation and all of that, it's like the direct thing goes back to the self-shaming, blaming and um, mistrust of our own desires, because we're like, why would I ever have chosen this? I must be wrong. I must be stupid. I must not know what's good for me. Thus making it more likely to be victimized in a sense and then thwart the power to an external next source, which might be then the world dominant religion or
1: whatever cause. Or their family system. And you know, it's like that thing where like they were all saying it as a joke and yet humor is where things hide in plain sight. And I want to go back because you were talking in the beginning about the prefrontal cortex, the cerebrum and the cerebellum. And how do you see this all connecting to the nervous system?
0: So so with the Aries representing the cerebrum and the Venus or the Taurus representing the cerebellum, I feel like the, the cerebellum is like what is considered more of the reptilian part of the brain, the part that... Um, is our motor functioning, our balancing, our way of actually orienting ourselves on earth that um, actually I think is a really big piece of what makes um, this present day culture have a really hard time feeling home and connected because there's a deep disconnect between not only orienting themselves on earth and feeling that alignment in an energetic and physical way. But also, um, this place where the animals and the reptiles, the birds and everything, the creatures are directly responding to the electrical magnetic frequency of the earth and orienting themselves, biolocating being able to, you know, geolocate themselves. They're all over this planet, um, in rhythm, in harmony, without this cerebrum, without this, um, force, uh, or planning, um, decision-making. Reflecting, yeah. Right. Without all of this mental, um, constructs or mental processing going on, they are just able to be inside of some, like a current, right? And, um, and then the cerebrum that we're speaking about, I think what's so interesting about the, the hijacking of the nervous system and the energy being directed into these overarching systems that are not serving us or our planet. Um, I think it's all safe to say that's a pretty general
1: consensus at this point that we can say it is not serving us, um, Unless you are Christian and, and you want to bring about Armageddon, then right. we're right on schedule.
0: Right. Unless you want to bring about a 1% getting really rich and then somehow <laughs> leaving to Mars or creating some other bubble in some deep bunker. sub-Earth uh, bunker <laughs> that, that can survive. Um, but we're doing great on yeah, time under then, budget then they're doing perfect they are they are executing their mission exactly as planned um whether we're su- subscribing it to it is i think the reason for this conversation um yeah or like, like being able to see the ways in which
1: our energy is being used to fuel those plans
0: right and and in that would be very sobering to say we are subscribing to it if our energy is directly keeping you know oiling the machine if you will or fueling it. So with this the cerebrum part which is, you know, considered like we've said already, the higher functioning part of the brain and the part of us that are that are problem solving and planning and in my opinion a lot of times like that is the very function that keep, gets us out of rhythm. Say for instance, if you think about if you're on rhythm when you're listening to a song or trying to dance then you're immediately off rhythm. There's a lot of ways in which our, our mind processes get in the way of us actually being able to be inside of that flow and trance-like state, you know, that I think is um, a very core function of this cerebellum. And, um, you know, they've done a lot of studies, scientific studies at this point to show that the flow or the trance-like state is, or the, the theta state is a very important part of us being able to actually problem solve and actually be able to find that, that next step of evolution, like that next creative process, that next, you know, um, the way to actually survive in these really high extreme, you know, they studied, you know, extreme athletes and these different ways where we've had like, um, you know, say for instance, somebody's running a three, four minute mile for 20 years or something, and then all of a sudden we're able to jump into this next, you know, evolutionary leap, and then all of a sudden it opens it up for, for many people. They've studied that that, that trance like state is what almost all major athletes, musicians, people that are problem-solving, people that are that are actually defying gravity or defying what we conceived as previously possible. They're going into those states of consciousness in order to then bring that into what we would then consider to be the, cer- um, the cerebrum functions. And so it's like we need to bring our connection from that, that lower part of us, that deep connective state, our cyclical energetic earthy natural way of functioning and being deeply connected to the rest of nature in that way into the way that we then problem solve and process right and so with those parts being wounded in a sense it's really impacted not only the way that we are with nature and that even just our capability of doing things. Um, you know, they say that we only use however many percentage of our brain, you know, but also just the way that we're able to function, you know, inside of um, what we're capable of, right? We get these like superhuman qualities once we are connecting both of, you know, all of the parts of our brain in a sense of, but just specifically the cerebrum and the cerebellum. Once we create that, that healthy functioning, then we're able to create these these huge leaps in our evolution. But it also creates a massive rupture in our ability to be connected as a species and create connections not only with nature, but also each other. It's affecting our relationships in a in a huge way. And I think everyone can agree in, at this stage is that, I mean, we're a social species and that the connection feeling deeply connected and us being able to, that affects the way that we live our lives, like how long we live our lives, what, what quality of life that is, our physical health, our mental health, all of this is severely deteriorated when we are unable to connect. And so when we have these parts of our brain being the you know amygdala, the hypothalamus, Um, the prefrontal cortex, all severely affected when we have trauma. And when we have these, um, yeah, these trauma states of of violence or disconnection, then it creates these patterns in our nervous system that then affect all of our hormones. And that also, the, the part of us that feel like, You know, the cortisol and the dopamine and the serotonin that's released when we're being rejected is the same that we feel when we're being loved and is unable to process the difference and find healthy patterns and solutions to support our life and our relationships and our boundaries accordingly is all a part of these parts of us being hijacked and separated and in a, you know, trauma loop. In a sense, within our own experience to our body and our own misconception of our neurology, of what's biologically going on with us.
1: That's such another beautiful representation. You know, Venus is often attributed to the hormonal system, and Mars is that energy, and just another way in which that confusion of like where desire meets boundaries, where hormones get, you know, activated by different energies. It's just another place we're in such a mess around this stuff.
0: And I think that I guess what I've been really feeling into over the last few days is like the, the reptilian part or what they call the reptilian part and the mammal part being the parts of us that are like, am I safe? And am I loved? And then the cerebrum, the human part of us being the way that we, we process that information. And to me that, disconnect from, am I safe? And that disconnect from, am I loved? Has really affected our ability to actually process it. So when our hypothalamus is gathering all this information and sending it out, out of context and not understanding how to read the information that we're experiencing of our environment, and the amygdala is sending all these alarms. It's like, we're unable to really process it functional or in an efficient way that doesn't sabotage, you know, our like core basic needs. And that's how it goes back to the like core desires of those two planets, Venus and Mars, hugging earth, you know, hugging the very core parts of us that make us human, that that bring us into this physical experience. And I think that hold very like valuable and crucial keys to like our quality of life on earth, like missing the the actual connection to earth and to our, our core selves in relation to those higher
1: planets, to those higher gods. It's gorgeous the way that you're laying it all out. And I want to, there's so much more we could say and maybe we'll say in future episodes, but I want to kind of bring it back to what you're saying now. Like, obviously, these things are all interconnected. So setting this stuff kind of more right, being in that process of reconnecting individually, relationally, collectively, spiritually, they're all part of the same movement. And I just want to think to end on how... Can we support our Mars? How can we work with the wounding of Mars for personal and collective healing? And one thing that came to me as you were talking is there's this whole kind of movement about deconditioning ourselves from internalized capitalism and about decolonization. And for me, that's especially a really key place where we can see our energy is going. I've been in this super deep dive, I'd say for the last year and a half, My commitment has been to work on my internalized capitalism. That is so much about how my identity is what I'm doing. Mars, Um, my worth is determined by how much I have produced. And it's this internalized voice in me. That's always like, you're supposed to be doing something. Shouldn't you be doing something? Shouldn't you be doing something more productive? It is one of the clearest examples I can see about how Whatever I've internalized is a program that is constantly telling me to plug myself, to plug my energy into a system of activity and productivity. And It's so beautiful you see all these people, you know, just like eating an apple and taking a walk or being like, you know, (laughs) I'm not going to overperform at my job. And instead, reallocate that energy to things that I can actually tell are serving me. And this is a way where I see even in pop culture, even in kind of the collective, folks are already in this process of reclaiming their energy and redirecting it towards the way that their system naturally wants to be in rhythm. I'm wondering if you have any other ideas about how to really support our Mars in this time.
0: Yeah, I love the way you're saying that. I've just, cause that's, that's really how I see it. Of just reclaiming that energy. And I think that, you know, with Mars, it's such that, that scorpionic feminine part of, of really learning that inner alchemy and tantra and then being also able to merge resources, be humbled in the fires of, of intimacy and collaboration in a deep, deep alchemical way with another um, or with these broader um, structures. Because we don't, it's not just about, you know, separating ourselves and only going into this individual it's I I think there's there is that deep desire to merge you know that that Aries part is to find a new way and to self-actualize and to know oneself and to really serve that and then and honor that and then there's this other part of Mars being that Scorpio that's in deep desire for that merging and I think of not only being in merging with you know, a love or, you know, one other, but to me, so much of my merging has been, you know, the serpents in general, the, you know, the plants and the overarching soul of that. And like these, these ways in which I'm, I'm feeling through the the threads of everything that I am in service to or feeding my energy to, or, or in love with, (laughs) fascinated with, attracted to. And I'm feeling into like what is what are that? what is that connected to you know because it's there's yeah it's like like this root system that then you can see the tree you know you can see it branch out and like what it's all touching and so so it's 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 a really it's a really deep dance to be in that because there are so much of our root systems connected into these overarching structures that um That when we get down to it are not serving and we might not be aligned with and and so to find that journey between you know being able to express and still create and still give and yet also being in that place of re like reclaiming and letting that go because what you're saying is like when we've realized how much of our actions of how we show up inside of relationships, how we show up inside of the world, inside of what we create, inside of how we work, all of that has been so deeply influenced by um, what society and religion and, and capitalism has, has told us to value and told us what's what's worthy. And so our, our ego goes through a, a major humbling process in this time while we're truly decolonizing it's in my experience it feels very very humbling because so much of what I've also gotten energy or self-worth um you know uh achievement or what is it when you're succeeding in the world you know has Mm -hmm. has been reflected and, and been feeding me also has been woven into some of those really deep core wounds that are, are, that are moving from a place of woundedness, then it's that, that time of trying to reclaim that and heal those wounds sometimes feels yeah really humbling, but also deeply disorienting and confusing because we also don't wanna just be stagnant and, and not giving. Also there, there is this desire for that, that Mars to feed the, the whole and to have a purpose. And so anyways, I I guess just being in that process in a devoted way and, and really getting in touch with what does it feel like to feel truly nourished? Like what you were saying of, of how do you really feel when you're talking to that person for however long, how do you really feel when you're on the internet, when we're doing these things, I've always, well, over the last 12 years, really learned and, and learn to trust myself that when something feels frustrating and and there's this conflicting, draining, sort of fighting, kind of working to strive kind of energy, it's because it, all of that energy is, is actually being wasted. Even though my mind might say that if you do this, this, and this, it, like that's the smart thing to do and that's the professional thing to do or that's the thing that will give you money or that's the thing that will give you security and all these things. But usually my energy system is telling me that that's actually not the case, even though that my mind has, has really thought that that was the best way to go about it. And so really just trying to, to find, you know, healthy psychosomatic processes. Um, um, I think partner dance is a really big piece of learning our bodies and learning how to collaborate with others. I think learning how to be open and connected and yet have boundaries and be sustaining on our own, our deep practices that really give us this spirit flesh dance that we can then play out with a larger, more intangible and um, deeply influential parts of our world that we have less uh, personal authority over, such as like our cultural experience and, you know but when we when we start doing this in our daily personal life and like with all of our things that give us you know connection to spirit or to um that tro- uh, flow and trance like state and also help our bodies to create discipline and freedom
1: but yes so big thoughts there is of course so much more and, um, I think there's just this really sort of back to basics invitation to really pay attention to your own inner body, energy body. What gives you energy, where it depletes it? How are we all plugged into these systems and be in that open inquiry? What do we want to be plugging our systems into how to be in alignment with this gorgeous, gorgeous earth?
0: And I would say also, on a very important note, and I know that, you know, when things get um, more popular in a social context, then some of the, the potency can be lost inside of that. But I think that what we were speaking about decolonizing, like really, really, really taking a look at the Sec- relationship to your own sexuality to your own gender the relationship to you know your ideas of marriage and monogamy and children and start to really unpack that and and to step out from whatever resistances or um yeah whatever influence that, that the broader social context is is creating and really get down to like looking at that in a, in a way that allows it to really touch touch us in a personal way. Because these social constructs that we are working to de- decolonize and deconstruct in this time are what has huge keys inside of us really reclaiming this personal relationship between our Mars and Venus, our masculine and feminine, our our bodies and our connection to our power and our sexuality and our creativity in a, in a really big way.